This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Wiz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. Going to have a fun show today. Later on, we'll speak with Providence Hill farm owner Jamie Plank Martin about their hosting of the South Central Sporting Clay Championship. And also we'll talk with James Hearn, the State Games of Mississippi Table Tennis Commissioner. But first, in the studio, we have Antonio Wright with us here, a Provine Ram, like my mom and Paul. My mom and Paul are Provine Rams. And so uh, there you go. We got uh, Antonio in the studio with us. Uh, Antonio, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Wow, I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me. It's pretty cool to be here with you today. Absolutely. Um, you and Jackson resident Chris Etheridge are two of the 12-man Team USA uh, team for the National Wheelchair Softball Association. 12 in the whole country, and you guys are, are two of them, and you're right here. How, how'd, that, how'd that come about? Um, one, well, we started uh, doing wheelchair softball about six years ago through my nonprofit, MACE. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Etheridge was a coach uh, before he got hurt in a car wreck. Uh, he was a fast pitch coach. And when we met him, he was a little unsure what he wanted to do. Uh, he got a chance to go to Boston and play with the Red Sox uh, two years. And then we created our own team called the Deep South Hurricanes. Yeah, uh, We took some of the best athletes from Mississippi, um, Louisiana, and uh, Alabama, and we uh, created a team. And we played in the last four wheelchair softball World Series. And uh, uh, this Year we I made the when you we our chance to uh, apply over three hundred applicants uh, from all over the country applied. They uh, uh, took thirty under consideration, and we were the top twelve we, uh, out of those. That. So it was pretty cool. I'm excited about it. And so uh, the 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 championships, I guess, or the 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 World Series. That's come to Mississippi in the last couple of years, has it not? Because yes, there's been such we hosted a, yeah. uh, the World Series uh, two years back to back, and I'm, I, I was very proud of, of that opportunity. We uh, we did a lot of things that the World Series had never seen before, and uh, so we, it, we got a chance to do it at the, in Gulfport. Yeah, uh, the governor's wife was there; she was supporting us for so much. That's awesome, uh, and it was it was really a cool experience. Now imagine this: the last last year's 2016 World Series in Gulfport. It was when they had the you know the big rain and the flood and and Baton Rouge. We played over sixty two matches, and on and sixty of those matches were in the rain. Oh man! So imagine <laughs> you know the, the rain going sideways, uh, and every player in wheelchairs. Nobody talked about it. Nobody complained. Right. We just played. It was it was amazing to see those athletes. Absolutely. So. Um, for folks who haven't watched or seen wheelchair softball, what are the main differences? Some are obvious, but I mean, um, what are the obstacles that you have to overcome maybe when you first start playing? 
Well, the the biggest uh, uh, thing that you first notice is that we play on asphalt. Mm-hmm. So we play on most like parking lots, right? Yeah. In the summer, right? So think it's about a, a, a Mississippi August <laughs> in, in Gulfport or this past year we was in in, uh, Austin, in Arlington, Texas yeah. uh, in, at a parking lot in the middle of the summer. Oh, so my. that heat coming off that, off that asphalt is probably the first thing you recognize, mm-hmm. you realize. And other than that, it's a, it's a Ten men, you know, we uh, four outfielders, uh, and the the uh, home run or the fence is about 180 yards, uh, and you got guys that are ripping home runs from a chair. Yeah, uh, you know, over 200 yards. You know, that that's amazing, uh, and it's some of the best, not just wheelchair athletes, but some of the best athletes in the world compete in this in, in this event. That's remarkable. Uh, so you got so yeah. you um the I guess one of the um, um, strangest parts of it is when you see the field marked out on an asphalt, you know, first base, second base marked out on asphalt, and these guys, the speed that is generated uh, with these guys, it's amazing. It's some, it's it's really been uh, um, um, wonderful to not only participate, but you played against teams from New York, Minnesota, uh, Boston, from all over. It's yeah. a, it, it's it's a lot of fun. That's pretty amazing. Uh, you were a uh, high school football player at Provine in the Jackson area. Went to Hines. Played football at Hines. Yeah, and played on uh, uh, the the first of a run of state championship teams for Ed Murphy there, just retired. And, and played football at JSU. Um, a car accident your senior year um, took away your ability to walk. When that happens... What's the first? I mean, how, I mean, obviously you've overcome and you've turned this into a gigantic positive. What's what do you have to go through? What do you what do you walk through to get to the point where you can you can put that in the past? It started first with my mother and my faith. Uh, mm-hmm. My mother uh, raised two young boys in the middle of West Jackson uh, off Lynch Street and Metro Mount Apartments in the late 80s where it was, you know, it was a very dangerous and tough time. And uh, she taught me that, you know, always find something positive out of every negative situation. Uh, and so life was never easy anyway for me. So then when you get to that point, my accident was February 2nd, of 1997, uh, I had just won a state championship at Hines uh, in '94. Transferred to Jackson State, so the the mentality was, um, I'm you know I'm almost invincible, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the back tire blew on the on the pathfinder. The driver panicked. It flipped eight times. Mm. I was ejected on the third roll. I landed over 150 feet before the truck stopped rolling. But I was wide awake in the air when I see this grass coming. Um, and when I uh, landed, I fractured L1, shattered L2, uh, twisted my, my spinal cord. My lot of tests is completely wrapped around my spinal cord, and every organ in my body shifted. Um, when when you realize that you your legs are not moving and you have no control over that, it is the first thing you think is, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to walk again. Yeah. You know, they tell you, 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 you're paralyzed. You know, you, the first thing you think is, is you don't know me. You don't yeah. know what I've been through. I'm going to walk again. And then, uh, we did, uh, I was in the hospital about 14 days at the university, went to rehab for about another 14 days. And, um, rehab was very, um, 
that was one of the most uh, real realistic things I've ever experienced because when you realize your limitations have completely changed, yeah. uh, just sitting up in balance, you know, uh, was uh, was a um, a challenge. And so, but my attitude has always been the same, uh, and I got this from my old football coach: tough times don't last long, tough people do. Yeah, uh, and that that. Um, mentality that that I never got depressed. I never got down, and I'm probably a little different than most individuals. But I never got depressed. I never got down. I never got mad. I never start hollering why me. Uh, and my, I got out the hospital out of rehab. Uh, like I said, 14 days on February the 28th. Mm-hmm. My Jackson State threw a big barbecue for me on Saturday. You know, it was <laughs> the team was there. The the uh, the band was there on Sunday morning. My baby brother was murdered. One month, the exact same day as my accident. My accident was February 2nd on a Sunday, 11 o'clock that morning. He was murdered March 2nd on a Sunday, 11 o'clock that night. He was shot one time in the chest. They stuffed him in the back seat of his own car. They pulled nine guys of gas on him and set him on fire. So at this point, um, I'm here. Uh, he's gone. Yeah. So I, I, had, I had no time to uh, waddle in my own, uh, uh, you know, my problems. Old Murphy, you say, you're blinded by the tree. You can't see the forest. So a lot of times That's we, a good one. we're yeah. so focused on our problems, our pain, that we don't see the big picture. Uh, and now what's amazing is I was praying, Lord, teach me patience. Lord, teach me patience. And be careful what you pray for. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's he going to give you what you ask. It might not be what you want. Right. Uh, and so I, I had to uh, reevaluate what my goals were. Uh, what what I wanted to accomplish in life. And I realized something. I wanted to be a good man. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good provider. And none of that was over. Right. None of that it stops because I can't walk. Uh, and so um, I started, I met a guy named Willie Harvey. He is the Paradise Venture Association's um, president. And uh, he took me under his wing and he showed me how to the vehicles I need to drive. He showed me, you know, that about wheelchair basketball and starting in sports mm-hmm. is what really gave me the sense that you know what, this is still life. Right. This is this is still I can still have fun. I can still compete. I can still. That's what you've been geared to do your whole life, right? I mean, you were a a, a top level football player. Competing to me is like breathing. Yeah. You know, it, it 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 gives you so much energy. Uh, and from there, Provine High School allowed me to come and coach. Uh, and so that that's gave me a purpose again. So I was able to get my degree uh, from Jackson State after my accident in health, physical education, recreation, and a minor kinesiology. Mm-hmm. I was able to coach football uh, for over sixteen years, four years at Jackson State. Uh, as the strength conditioning coach, and then uh, Provine, Murrah, Gentry, Macomb. Um, Wait a minute, Provine to Murrah? I went from Provine Come to Murrah. Come on, what? Well, it, I'm yeah, just messing it, with it, you. It was, it, was not, it, it was not a great decision coming from my friends and family, but I tell you what, I wouldn't change it for nothing right. because each group that I got a chance to touch, um, I, I still see them to these days, and, yeah. and, and we can – Oh, man, I'm that. just messing with you. In high school, I went to Wingfield and Forest Hill. It's basically oh, yeah, the same that's thing. So, that's awesome. But uh, that, that uh, tough times don't last, tough guys do. Which You said your coach gave you that. You you played for three pretty doggone good coaches. Coach Collins at Provine, Coach Murphy at Hines, and I'm guessing Big Daddy at Jackson Big State? Big Daddy was at Jackson State. Uh, which and one Stanley of those? Blackman's at Provine as well. Okay. Uh, well, 
if I if I say standing black man, Coach Collins is gonna be really upset with me. Coach, Coach Collins, when he uh, I was his first class, mm-hmm. standing black man's last class when he when he left Pro. Gotcha. Okay. And so uh, uh, me, Carlos Knight, to Boris Fisher, a lot of these guys uh, were there. And so Coach Collins is who uh, started that model with us. Mm-hmm. But now what's ironic is Chris Etheridge uh, was, uh, but when he got hurt. They gave him a T-shirt that said, tough times don't last long, tough people do, uh, during his recovery. We we had no idea of what, you know, how our story gonna, was going to connect. And to this day, um, we matter of fact, I have something I want to give you. Oh, man. It's a, now read the band before you put it on. Okay. There it is. Let me see. I got to find the front. Okay. Tough times don't last. But tough people do. <laughs> and so that motto, uh, I, I took it from about my senior year in high, junior year in high school. Yeah. And it's been with me ever since. Uh, and so uh, uh, even with Chris, it was a part of his life. And I think Maya Angelo uh, is, is the one who actually uh, wrote the uh, 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 started that that uh, 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 motto. But uh, we have uh, adopted it. And it's the truth. Yeah. It is such a it's such a truth about it because if you can overcome your own um, uh, deficiencies, your own problems in your head, and just keep fighting, right? Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you can make it through. Yeah. All right. So you got a thirteen hour trip, a thirteen hour flight. <laughs> I should straight say flight, right. straight flight to Japan. I mean, that's. Oh, my goodness. How's I was that? not looking forward to that part. No, <laughs> I was, we were talking right before we came on. I was trying to remember. The longest flight I've been on was probably five hours, I think, something like that. I'm not looking forward to that part. I think I'm just going to take a value and try to go to sleep. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I can't sleep on planes and in cars when I'm not driving. Yeah. Already, you know, last time I slept in a car uh, when somebody was driving, I woke up paralyzed. So it's kind of oh, hard. To... <laughs> Good grief. All right. So what, what is it that, I mean, you, we talked about the World Series going on yes. uh, here in the United States. What are you going to Japan to do? Japan is the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually going to do an ambassadorship uh, as well. So we'll go to high schools, junior uh, junior high schools and colleges around Japan, teaching wheelchair softball. Uh, and then uh, uh, the countries that will be coming in are teams like Korea, uh, uh uh, Canada, um, um, Nigeria, that those teams will be coming into the state. I mean, into Japan to compete for the World Cup, uh, and so that that is the uh, the the big dog of the, of, of the of the international competition for wheelchair softball. Wow, how about that? It's that's there are going to be a ton of inspiring stories there, I'm sure, and yours will be among the very best of them. One thing I can promise you about when you see a person in a wheelchair. Um, and I believe that when you have a visible disability, you have a obvi- uh, uh, a obligation to uh, show that you know this disability, this this chair does not define me. Right. My effort, my 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 effort, my love, my compassion will define me. And every one of those individuals have a story. It is amazing to sit and talk to them because each accident, each uh, person has a different uh, uh, route to that disability or to that that challenge but each one of them have made a decision that they're not going to allow that challenge to define them yeah uh you also started the metro area community empowerment in 2011 tell me a little bit about that um i retired from coaching in 2010 uh and i was uh, retired for about two weeks and i was bored out my mind okay (laughs) and i'm a very active person and when i realized that i was bored i thought you know what 
It's got to be somebody that's in the wheelchair that's bored, too. Uh, so I contacted my friend Robbie Sullivan, uh, and he's our CFO. Uh, he's in a wheelchair, been hurt since he was 15. And I talked to a lot, a few other friends of mine, Johnny McGinn, who works for um, Jack, uh, Vocation Rehab. And we decided that, you know what, instead of us looking for something, let's start our own program. So we started uh, wheelchair sports and recreation. We do basketball, softball, tennis. We take people deep sea fishing, we skydiving, hunting, oh, whatever recreational opportunity someone wants to try. Uh, from a wheelchair, we'll pay for the hotel gas and food. And so for the last seven years, we have been able to put over uh, almost uh, 30,000 individuals have had the opportunity to get in chairs, participate in activities. We even go to high schools and and put students in chairs, athletes in chairs, Mm -hmm. spot them 50 points, and then come back and beat them in wheelchair basketball. Oh, no, you don't do that now. Oh, come on. Man, spot them 50 and then come back and win. Oh, man, that's a so, setup right well, there. Our, our nonprofit has really been blessed uh, with sponsors that have been have uh, looked at what we're trying to do uh, and decided that they want to be a part of it. So we, we, don't, we don't want our, our athletes to have to come out of their pocket uh, to do anything, but we want them to understand that whatever you want to try, there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. We might have to find out who to do it with. There's a way to do it. So we find, we try our best to provide recreational opportunities for people in wheelchairs. If somebody wants to become involved with your organization, how do they do it? M-A-C-E-M-S.org. All right. Mace-Mississippi.org. Very easy. Uh, okay. You can go to our website. You can find us there. You also can find us on Facebook uh, at uh, Mace, 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 Mississippi. Uh, and... Uh, what I just always want people to understand that uh, if you have a not only a challenge, but you should have a goal, you should have a purpose that you should be aiming for. We would love to help you be able to find your purpose and get to your purpose and, and, and allow your purpose to motivate and inspire somebody else. Absolutely. Antonio, man, I could spend the rest of the hour chit-chatting with you about this and Thank hearing you your story. Uh, it's been great to have you, man. Thank you so much. Antonio Wright. We'll take a break. And uh, when we come back, Liz Gill is going to be speaking with this year's host for the NSCA South Central Regional Sporting Clay Championship. That's after this timeout on MPB's Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. to MPB's Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill, and I've got the pleasure of speaking with Jamie Plank Martin, owner of Providence Hill Farm. Welcome to Season Pass, Ms. Martin. 
Well, thank you very much. I'm so glad to, um, to be speaking with you this morning. Well, you came to our attention because we found out that Providence Hill Farm is hosting the NSCA South Central Regional Sporting Clay Championship. NSCA, let's break that down. The NSCA, what is that? It's the National Sporting Clay Association. It is really the governing body and organization for the large sport in the United States known as sporting clays. And so about a year and a half ago, actually, we were selected by the National Sporting Clay Association to host this tournament, um, which is the regional championship. But because it is our region, pulls Oklahoma, Texas, et cetera, it's one of the 10 largest sporting clay tournaments in the world. I've learned that uh, sporting clay is like golf with a shotgun. Is that right? That is. That's that's correct. It, it's a great outdoor sport. Lots of people play the sport or engage in the sport, much like golf. They come out and shoot for the afternoon, et cetera. And there are a lot of people. We will have between five and 600 shooters here today or this week, Wednesday through Sunday, to participate in the tournament and many of these shooters go all around the country and all around the world to shoot much like golf players do. Wow. When someone goes to participate in uh, sporting clays and they go on a course, how, how, how does the course work? Well, the a sporting clay course is usually between 12 and 15 stations. And the machines throw the orange clay targets that you see that that people shoot, and they are set up in different situations at each station a little bit differently. Sometimes it's what you call a double, where two clays are thrown at the same time, and you either have to pick the spot where they cross and hit them both at one time, or you have to shoot very quickly to hit them both. It's, as you said, it is very much like golf with a shotgun in that each station can play or shoot a little bit differently than a, what do I want to say, a golf green or each each hole on a golf course. So of those sort of 12 to 15 stations, they're set up differently. They, retar- they require different skills at each station, and the winner is who misses the least amount of clays or who knocks down the most amount of clays. For here, we have the National Sporting Clay Association in this event. We will have not only traditional sporting clays like that, but we will have something called a five-stand competition. We'll have a game called snooker. We'll have various different aspects of the sporting clay sport and the overall champion is who scores the highest in each one of those different aspects of the sport. When you when someone plays golf they're told it's a par 3, par 5. Do, do the participants have any idea what a stop uh is going to consist of? Yes, when you come up to a station, it'll tell you, for example, that it's a report pair, meaning a report pair is first clay one sheet or first clay, the first clay is thrown. And then as you shoot, the puller throws the second clay. A true double is both shoot at the same time or both 
clays are pulled and fly at the same time. There are just various different things like that, sort of the difference between a PAR-3, a PAR-5, um, sand pit on the left. Each station is set up a little bit differently, but as you walk up to it, the thrower will show you what it looks like. They will pull for you, and you will get to see it, and then it tells you what what is actually going to happen at that station. Do you bring your own personal puller or thrower, or is there one for each no, station? No, no, there's, there's one at each station. We call a trapper, and the trapper pulls. It's, it's really all electronic. All of the stations that we have are run off of solar panels and have an electronic you know, box, and you push it, and it throws the clays. In fact, the stations that we have here at the club are voice-activated, so you can actually go out and shoot alone and stand up in the station and call pull, and the machine will throw the target for you without there being anyone there. 21st century. Yeah, it is from the old sport. You know, these are old European sports, sporting clays, right? And which in the old days, somebody had to be there and pulled the machine to throw the target every time. But now they are electronically run, but there is a trapper at each station who basically keeps score, makes sure that if there's a difficulty in a machine, that somebody comes to fix the machine, you know, all of those kinds of things. With sporting clays, how is that different from skeet or trap? And I only know that those are words. I don't even know what they are. So what is, well, what's the difference? Skeet and, skeet and trap, it's the same target, right? It's the same orange clay, but they're thrown on what you call a skeet and trap range or field. In fact, skeet and trap is one of the fastest growing high school sports in the country right now, particularly more north of here. Sporting clays, true sporting clays, take a lot more room. It's a very big course that you people usually rent a golf cart or bring a um, um, ATV. You go long distances sort of in between the various stations. It's very much like playing golf. Skeet and Trap is on a, a much smaller in place course and it's a lot more muscle memory the shots are are very consistent and it's not as different type of presentation per station like sporting clays are sporting clays were originally designed to mimic the type of of different animals like at our course here at providence we have various stations we have one for example that bounces the clay rolls the clay on the ground across a field that mimics a rabbit Oh. We have one that a clay actually rolls down a hill in the woods that mimics a squirrel running down a hill. We have something called a duck flush that throws 60 clays in 90 seconds, which is to mimic the flush of duck coming up off of a, a lake, right? It's very quick and fast, and four to five people at a time can shoot that. It's really a lot of fun. So the traditional sport of sporting clays was really developed to help people improve their skills for hunting various types of animals. Excellent. And what uh, what do you shoot sporting clays with? A shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's a shotgun sport. You know, you shoot anywhere from um, a 12 gauge, 20 gauge, 28 gauge. Most everybody, professional shooters, all shoot 12 gauge shotguns. The what we call the sporting guns that are made for you can use any kind of shotgun. But most of the really good shooters shoot with certain brands that have a little bit longer barrel. They're made for sporting clay kind of sports. We will have here at the tournament all kinds of vendors today through Sunday, and they will have a lot of guns on display of what is used for that, and we will actually give away a, a blouse or shotgun on Saturday night. But they're, they're basically, you, we have a lot of people that come and bring their bird hunting shotguns, and that's just fun too. All right, and the course that uh, the championship will be played on, is that the same course you have set up year-round, or was it specially designed for the championship? We had to add five additional courses for the championship. We have one main sporting clay course that is part of the main course for the tournament, and then we added the second half of that. And then, as I said, we have our own five-stand, and so now we have two five-stand courses. We have added a lot of courses for this tournament. So we've been planning it for a year and a half. We've had some of the best professionals in the country help us lay out our courses and get ready for this tournament. Some of them will stay and some of them, the machines will be picked up and go back home after the tournament. Well, I have to, you, you've just expanded my mind for a, a size of magnitude uh, thinking of adding not only stands but adding courses, what uh, with all that must require quite a lot of of acreage for safety's sake. Uh, what are some of the safety features that are with sporting clays and at your comp- and at uh, Pleasant Hill Farm? At, at Providence, we have I'm sorry, Providence Hill. acres, and so the reason you are basically or awarded the right to have the tournament a year and a half in advance is because you do have to do all of that planning. And for safety's sake, the courses are specifically designed so that you are not shooting into other stations, right? You are basically shooting away from humans in every one of the courses. And then, of course, everybody here is incredibly gun safety oriented. You never put shells in your gun until you stand up into the station ready to shoot. You always walk around with your gun open so that everyone can see that you have no shells. You never point your gun at, you know, another human. We teach a lot of lessons and a lot of sporting clays here, and we actually run couple times a year the gun safety course here for the younger people the gun safety is it's just premier in all of this everybody follows those same gun safety rules and knock on wood we've never had an accident out here but we are incredibly diligent about everybody following those rules is there any uh, special traditions or do you have to whisper while someone is shooting or what, uh, is there any etiquette that you know of that uh, well, for sporting be, clays? It would be a lot like a golf tournament. They're, the shooters are squatted is the term, sort of like in a golf tournament when you're paired up with other golfers and you move from hole to hole as a pair. You move from station to station as a squad, usually a four-man squad, and you don't want 
want to distract from anyone's concentration, whether it's come running up in a golf cart, whether it's talking, whether it's movements. I mean, it would be like a, a golf tournament in that sense, which is the shooter is trying to concentrate on the clay and you do want to be quiet and no distracting movements when they're ready to shoot. Well, this is very fascinating to me. So if I were going to come and watch at Providence Hill Farm this week, the uh, championship, uh, what, 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 what would we do? What would we see? How do we okay. get there? Well, there is, there's no admission charge, all right? So the public is welcome to come. We, have, we suggest that if anyone wants to come, that they go to what we call the, the five-stand event. It's very easy to watch the professional shooters, the world champions, everything there at the five-stand. Then we suggest if, if people want to go watch some, they go and do that. Then we suggest that they come to the stable where all of our vendors are set up. We do have wonderful lunches being served every day if people are interested in, in buying a lunch. But I think it's going to be a fabulous weekend and a great beginning to fall and that everyone would really enjoy coming out here and seeing Providence Hill Farm in this tournament on Saturday and Sunday. And, and they're welcome to come today, tomorrow, and Friday. And I don't think we mentioned Providence Hill Farm is in the Jackson area. Is that right? It's it, right. It's right outside of Flora. If you go up Highway 49, before you get to Flora, you would turn left on Kennebrew Road, and we're right down Kennebrew Road. Our address is Jackson, um, but it's just right outside of Flora. So tell us about Providence Hill Farm when you're not hosting championships. Well, Providence Hill Farm, as I said, is 1,250 acres, and we do various things out here. We have a large stable, and we coach and host the Mississippi College equestrian team. We also have the first-ever high school equestrian team in the state, and then we have various riding, boarding, and training programs for our horses. Then we have the Providence Hill Farm Sporting Club, which is actually putting on this tournament, it has two aspects to it, where we have a membership, very much like a golf club membership, where you can join and then you come out and shoot, you know, during our open hours, et cetera, just like you would go and play golf at a golf club. We have a small clubhouse, big outdoor pavilion. We also have three large lakes and uh, a membership to Providence Hill Farm Sporting Club and can also come with a fishing membership in which we have lots of large bass and other fish in our lake. And then we also host entertainment events out of the sporting club for groups. We have lots of businesses. We have lots of businesses and corporate members or other businesses that contact us in which we host large sporting clay shoot for either their corporate entertainment for fundraisers, for various nonprofits. We will be booked in the fall almost every day for various events for businesses around the, and nonprofits around the state to, to host boarding clay sheets here. Jamie Plank Martin, owner of Providence Hill Farms, we are so glad that you came to uh, MPB Season Pass today. Thank you. Well, thank you. I hope people will come out and see what we have to offer this week. When we come back from the break, MPB Season Pass will continue. I'll speak with James Hearn, Commissioner for Table Tennis at the most recent Mississippi State Games. And this will be on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB's Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm speaking with James Hearn, who was the recent commissioner for table tennis at the State Games of Mississippi. Thanks for being on the show, Mr. Hearn. You're welcome. The State Games of Mississippi, they have quite a few different sports that Mississippi residents can participate in, and one of them was table tennis. About how many competitors do you think you had this summer? Well, this time we have about 12 we usually have more, but we got about 12 this time. What was the age range of the competitors? Well, they start from 6 until whatever, to 100, whatever the age started, 6. Oh, okay. And, and and this year, what was your oldest competitor? My oldest competitor was a female, and she was about 80 years old. And <laughs> she did play. She came well, in third place. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Did you find that most of your uh, people came from the Meridian area where the tournament was held? Most people came from out of town. Most people oh, come from out of town. With the Mississippi State Games, people are able to come and compete from all over. Are there any uh, tournaments that you know of aside from the State Games? Well, in the when USA Tournament, we have a sanctioned tournament throughout not the state of Mississippi, but the out of the United States, we have. Uh, competitive then we have Mississippi College and we have thirteen college that do play in tournament and we have some from Mississippi College actually come down here as well as some guys from Hattiesburg. But there aren't really any uh tournaments aside from the state games in the state? No, not just tournament. We usually have one every now and then, but we haven't had one this year and we plan on having one in the near future. Okay, so most of the competitors are church rec room competitors or, or basement or, or backyard ping pong table players? Right, we have some of those. We have quite a few of those around here. What about, you were commission. the commissioner for the, the state games. Are you a ping pong player yourself? Yes, I am. I'm a ping pong player. I'm playing with a paddle that I bought when well, I bought the blade in 1979. I still got that same uh, blade. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I remember. way back in the 70s. A, a player in Mississippi wanted to test their skills at the Mississippi State Games. How could they get involved? Well, they just call my number. It's on their website. Uh, they can call me in person, and uh, we can set up something. We can play. And we do have a play that we can play if they really want to play. And it doesn't have to be no certain type of skill. And just come play. Are the players, when you play in the state game, are they mostly singles? Do you do any doubles games? We do mostly singles. But we will play double if we have enough players to want to do it. And uh, we, we play uh, single elimination. I play like I play round and robin. Everyone play each player one time. How many players win the most game, that's who wins the tournament. The state games of Mississippi's in ping pong sounds like a really good way for uh, maybe a non-threatening sport, a way for people who are just casual ping pong players but enjoy it are still able to participate in the competition. Would you say that? Right. I, I will say that it's a family-oriented game too. It's it's it's, it's not. We got some a uh, little game you can play. You can play with five player, a ten player, 
playing ping pong. Each person would uh, run around the cage, hit the ball to one person, make a mistake, he gets out. It's really a, it's really a fun family game. That's very really, interesting. I haven't heard about uh, that variation. Right, and we, we, we do that. It's real fun. We get a lot of family. We have to be young kid, older person. No matter how old, how young, everyone can play that game. It's real fun. I always like adding a little spice or a little variety, a game maybe that everyone already knows how to play. That sounds interesting. Right. Well, Mr. Hearn, where do you play ping pong yourself? Well, I play at the church behind my house. And we play on Monday evening about 5.45. And that's another track play on Thursday. They play by 4.30 on Thursday sometime. And I got another guy in Alabama. We, they play on Tuesday night. Do you chit-chat while you play ping pong, or are you strictly business? I chit-chat a little bit. Most I like to teach people how to play. I maybe want to win a game. I'll be trying to teach them that. It's more than just winning. It's, it's a real fun game. It's an exercise game. It's exercise your whole body and your mind and your eye coordinate. And that way no one get upset, you know, just teaching, trying to teach them how to play. But then we also play, uh, I'm trying to get some stuff with the Boys and Girls Club with the young people there. And uh, we had to have a tournament over there before. We didn't have many, uh, that many participation. But we're going to try again to get the more young people involved. And then just on the computer all day long. And it's used their brain and, you know, and their body well. You do have to be quick on your toes, quick with your arm to be able to volley back and forth with your opponent. Right. Well, Mr. Hearn, we appreciate you speaking with us this morning. Uh, we will look forward to hearing about the state games of 2018 in ping pong. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. We're about to take our last break of the show. When we come back, we'll learn what's going on in sports this weekend. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Dr. Jimmy Stewart coming up next with Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and he's in the studio now. Hey, man. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Got here a little early this morning. Nah, it's all right. Hey, Wanted awesome. to get caught up on some sports. Right. Now, I know you doctors. I mean, you, there's there there's always something to do. So if you, have, <laughs> if you have five seconds to sit down, that means you peered through your emails. Absolutely. For about five minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly what I was just doing. What can I check off the list? Yeah, right. that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Now, you got you got some uh, boys that are playing sports. Yeah. yeah, both my boys are playing football right now. They, uh, they're in... Uh, at Park Place Christian Academy, so smaller schools, so you can play more. Yeah, and um, both of them are playing football this season. So they're three and zero, right? 
Yeah, the Crusaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. JV's two and zero, oh, and uh, Varsity's three and zero. Oh, so. That's a school. It's it's had a lot of growth really quickly. So uh, it's been playing eight man or single A right. football for about seven or eight years, and now all of a sudden, bam, they're a three A school. Yeah. So it's, all their all their non district games are with their familiar foes. And then as soon as they step into region play, all of a sudden it's a bunch of 3A schools. So that should yeah. be fun. I think this captures it. My older son said, you know, Dad, uh, I said, how was it after the after the game? Because last year, as you mentioned, like 8-man and going up to 11-man, he said, uh, Dad, um, it's like a bunch of trees were falling on me. And I was just – he had the ball and he was running. And he said, it's like I having to dodge trees the whole yeah. time. Yeah, because 8-man is like a – it's like pinball. It is. It's like a pinball machine. Yeah. There's a lot of room to run. Yeah, and if you if you take a bad angle – for yeah, a tackle, or yeah. uh, you, you know, you uh, one good block, and a guy can just run into the wilderness. Yes. Basically, well, you yep. know, one missed tackle, and oh man, you look bad on film <laughs> for everybody uh, to see from like a three county radius. There's not a whole lot of mistakes you can make. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. So um, uh, some interesting stuff here. We've got um, uh, another hurricane, of course. Irma is headed toward Florida. Now there's a Jose that's behind Irma. Uh, and I saw where there's already, I mean, the Leeward Islands just got slammed by a yeah. hurricane, and now they're issuing a hurricane watch for the Leeward Islands for Jose. And, I mean, they're still, they just got through with Irma. I just can't imagine, you know, how do you how do you come back from something like that when you're a small island, little resources, you have to basically just either, I mean, I don't know how they would ride something out like that, as big as Irma was, and now to have Jose, which looks like it's, I mean, it doesn't look it's as not strong. not quite as big. But still, yeah. just to not have the infrastructure that you had to deal with that because it's been wiped out, I just, that's, that's horrendous. Well, and plus, I mean, uh, you know, whatever groups or organizations were going to send yeah. in help. They get delayed. Now they've got to, you know, either, yeah, either sit and wait or try to, you know, no pun intended, but wade through all the mess Yeah, and, you know, watch for the next thing that's coming along. So this does impact a school in Mississippi. Alcorn State uh, was slated to play Florida International, which is a team in suburban Miami. Uh, and they were going to go down there and play Saturday. Well, that's not going to work now. So mm-hmm. they've moved that game to tomorrow night, and they're going to play at Legion Field in Birmingham. So uh, if you're an Alcorn fan or maybe you're a SWAC football fan, uh, that's a cool opportunity to get to see Alcorn play away from home. And uh, it's <laughs> Birmingham is a much more drivable distance Absolutely. than uh, I mean, maybe it's Fort Lauderdale that Florida International is in. And so, uh, and then Friday night too. I mean, if you don't have a high school game to go uh, watch, uh, go check them out. They're going to be hosted by UAB over there. Uh, nice of them to do that. It really is, and that's it's cool that they were able to do that. And I don't understand. Miami was going to play a game at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, an away game, and they canceled it altogether. And I, I don't. Necessary, like if, if FIU can keep playing their game, yeah. Uh, I know the NFL game, Tampa was going to play Miami, which are the you know, that's right. two of the three NFL teams in Florida, uh, but the two that are in southern Florida. And uh, they, the NFL, it's a little bit easier because all the teams have bye weeks, many of them have similar bye weeks, and so they just moved the game to week 11, uh, which worked out. Uh, but yeah, it, it's Florida International could move a home game with Alcorn to Birmingham, but the University of Miami 
can't leave to go to an away game that was going to be in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Yeah, I don't know that I necessarily understand that. Yeah, unless there's some something about the uh, you know transportation issues getting there that are different, but yeah. uh, but it still doesn't make much sense. I mean, if 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 everybody's going to cancel their games, I understand. Right. Uh, you know, maybe it might be an ordeal of about how do you get back. Um, you know, what do you do if stuff, something happens to your family or whatever? I mean, I understand the, the many reasons why you wouldn't want to play that game. But if there's been a precedent set of other teams in that area going through with their games, then I don't understand why they can't go and play an away game. Yeah. Um, and I, number one, I mean, I had a bunch of thoughts about this. Like, number one is why is Miami playing a game at Arkansas State? No <laughs> offense to Arkansas State. Uh, and and then number two is, man, I feel for Arkansas State because yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest home game they've ever had yep. on their campus. And then it gets wiped out by this situation that they have zero control over. Yeah. You know, and they'll probably get the payday for it, which is nice. Um. Oh, they'll get some sort of payoff for it to to recover for the game not happening, but um, still not what they would have gotten. Right. I mean, you want to be able to generate that excitement on your campus and things like that. So I thought it was interesting. Alcorn would be playing in Birmingham instead of down in in, uh, suburban Miami, and they'll play tomorrow night instead of Saturday. Uh, so, uh, Liz has got some stuff put together for us here. The Gulfport Table Tennis Club met last night at the Herbert Wilson Recreation Center in Gulfport. It's open to the public and free to play. All levels of competition are welcome. They meet every other Wednesday, 6 to 9 p.m. A lot of great recreational sports on the coast. It seems like they're very proactive and having a lot of different stuff for folks to do down there at all different ages. And uh, Liz and I were, were kind of making fun. This is uh, it's Ridgeland's homecoming tonight. Already? <laughs> right. The, the, Have they played away? The second. It, well, it's, it's going to be like their fourth <clears throat> game of the season. I mean, I guess this is part of what school yeah. starting in August and football season starts like the first week of school. I mean, they're I mean, they're almost basically to the to the, the center part of their schedule. So hmm. there you go. But it's already going on. Community Parade in Ridgeland tonight at 7 p.m. Our thanks to our guests uh, who came on with us today. And stay tuned. Dr. Jimmy Stewart is coming up next with Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.